and welcome to the first ever Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane, and today I'm joined by James Black, our Daily Record Rangers blogger. First of all, today we're going to look at the Rangers versus Progress Nidercorn game, which took place at Ibrox. The final result was 1-0 to Rangers. Uh, it was an interesting game. James, what was your take on it? I thought that Rangers played well. Uh, they didn't look overly troubled at any point by Progress. Um, the new signings, while well, they, they seem to have bedded in fairly quickly, one or two of them certainly looked a little bit more comfortable than others. Ryan Jack, for example, looked like he'd been there for a long time. Looked very comfortable. Um, tactically, I think Kashinya got it spot on. Um, he set his team up to play their game, not to counter what progress they're coming to try and do, which was likely to be sit back, choke the game, and just let Rangers play in front of them. Uh, one nil though. I mean, it's not. It's on paper. It doesn't look like a great result, does it? On paper, it's not the best result. But we're going into the second leg. It's a goal lead. Progress. They need to take the game to Rangers in Luxembourg, which, from what I've seen from them, they're not going to make any inroads. They, they didn't. They didn't show anything really today. Did they? they looked like a. Uh, a sort of poor League One side in Scotland, that's probably the equivalent. Yeah, aye, that's a, a fair summation of them. So, there was positives and negatives to take from the game. Let's be positive and concentrate on the positives. First of all, I think the player that took a lot of adulation from the fans when he came off was Nico Cranchar. He certainly showed flashes of what he can bring to the, the table for Rangers, didn't he? Definitely. Uh, Cranchar showed it was every bit the intelligent, I don't want to say world-class player that he was at one point, but he showed he has that technical ability that puts him in the top two or three players, a technical ability level in Scotland. He's not got the legs, he's not going to be the kind of guy you're going to see doing long-busting 60, 70, 80-yard runs, but it's the little flicks, the little passes, It's uh, there was even a few occasions where you saw him play 20, 30, 40-yard passes and he'd put in a sixpence. So he's still got that technical ability there, whilst he's maybe not got the same physical ability that you'd hope to see from a top echelon player in Scotland. Kaishina talked about him as a quarterback, and I think a few of us took that to mean that he was going to play a deeper role. But today he was in the sort of traditional number 10 with two midfield players behind him, so he was very attacking in the way he was set up for the game. Do you think that suits him? Yeah, definitely. Um, Playing in the, the 10 slot at leaves, you're, you're going to have two guys playing deeper that are going to cover. So, as I said earlier, as I said before, he's not going to be the guy that's going to track runs. He's not going to come back and he's not going to be chasing back with midfielders running from deep. But you're going to have Ryan Jack and Pena or Ryan Jack Ross or Ryan Jack, Jason Holt, that are going to be doing that defensive work. And that's a good segue because Ryan Jack was definitely one of the other positives, wasn't he? Definitely. He, he had an excellent game. And he looked exactly what Rangers have been missing in terms of a solid defensive midfield player who holds his position, does the simple thing. I don't think he gave away the ball once in the entire game. Yeah. And he also put in a few crucial tackles, played the ball about well, and actually, when he got his head up and looked to go forward, was quite productive. And I think looking back to some of the problems that Rangers had last season was you would see Tavernier go forward, Jason Holt would come deep, and I'm a big fan of Jason Holt, but defensively I don't think he's got that that ability to drop into right back 
and they've been effective cover. Ryan Jack, he's played there for Aberdeen, he's played in midfield, he's played right midfield, centre midfield, right back. He's got the tactical awareness, he's got the ability to fill that gap that Tavernier leaves when he inevitably goes forward. And I think he's arguably going to be the most important sign this season. The way that Rangers set up in the midfield I thought was quite pronounced in terms of the way we've seen them last season in that they had a very solid midfield block of four with Holt and Jack sitting in front of the two centre-backs and then dropping in because the full-backs were pushed so much further forward. Um, kind of like they were last season, yeah. but, but, but definitely filling that gap that there was every on almost every game. So although the, it was against a, a poor opposition tonight, there was signs there that on the training field they are looking to shut the door on a lot of the issues that have been traditionally affecting the team over the last couple of years. Absolutely. Um, maybe last week, Pedro Cachini had said that his methods aren't necessarily based around patterns. It's based around the process. And I think Ryan Jack absolutely showed that. He showed that when Tavernier goes, he knows to come in, he knows to cover, he's, he's got the awareness to come in and cover. It wasn't about being within this little five-yard circle so he can be there to pick up a free pass. It was a more overall idea and I think it's looking like Jack's the player that Rangers needed last season. Um, in the second half, it was a bit of a disjointed performance. I think the first half was decent, but yep. second second half, there seemed to be a loss of impetus going forwards. I just think that when Cachinha started to make his substitutions, he took off Jason Holt. So yeah, you were then left with Ryan Jack essentially as the single sitting midfielder. He brought on Daniel Candias, who from everything that we've seen, he's very attack-minded. Like Cranchard, he's not going to be the kind of player that's going to come deep. He's not going to track runners. So, by taking Jason Holt away, bringing Candace on, he left Jack not exposed, but he increased his workload. I think Cardoso had a decent game, but I think if there's one area for concern for Rangers fans, it might be that while he looked very comfortable bringing the ball out from the back, passed the ball very well, he had that look about him in terms of his ability in the air where he looked like he could be troubled by a big physical centre forward progress centre forward was a big burly yeah. guy, he wasn't very mobile but he could certainly put himself about and I thought he won a few headers against Cardo so what was your take? Yeah I completely agree, um, I think that looking at the two centre defenders that have been brought in, so you've got Bruno Alves and you have Cardozo Bruno Alves is going to be the ball winner He's going to be the guy that's going to step out. He's going to be the guy that wins headers. Cardozo will mop up at the back. Uh, Alves will... You can go back to Rangers centre defences the last 10, 15, probably 20 years. There's typically been a ball player and a ball winner. Moore and Amoruso. You had Goff and Jockey Bjorkland, if you want to go back that far. Um, and I think this will be very much the same mould. Cardozo will be the one that's comfortable coming forward. And Alves... Fender that's watched the Confederations Cup he's comfortable enough on the ball but he's very much a ball winner he's a no-nonsense centre defender which Cardozo doesn't come across as he's the more silky defender the, he likes to come forward a Majid Bouguera type So 1-0 it's not a convincing victory but I'm assuming based on what you've said you're pretty confident going into the second leg Absolutely yeah um, 
one nil is not an ideal result. A freak goal, a dodgy pass back, something may happen in Luxembourg. But on the strength of what Niederkorn brought to Ibrox, I don't see them troubling them in the normal course of the game. And of course, everything needs to be put in the context of this time last year, Celtic played against the Red Imps and yeah. lost, and then went and unbeaten for the entire season. So you can't possibly judge Rangers at this point. Oh, no, definitely not. Um, it's still extremely early doors. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the news with regarding Mike Ashley no longer being part of the club and obviously the merchandising deal having been renegotiated. What does that mean to Rangers fans in general? It's a huge thing for Rangers fans. Looking at Ibrox before the progress game, for the first time in several years you've seen, maybe not the vast majority, but you've seen a lot of fans wearing Rangers kits. You could have went to Ibrox last season and you'd see maybe one, two, three guys that have bought kits. But before the progress game, it was everywhere. You've seen guys on buses, you've seen guys on trains, you've seen guys in pubs. They all had Rangers kits on. And that money's going to go back into the club and it's going to help Rangers get back to where they should be. In terms of the deal, it's now going to one year. And I think there's obviously been a lot of comment on Twitter a lot of people saying, um, mostly it has to be said, Celtic fans saying, oh, there's ulterior motives behind this. Ashley's got rid of all his old stock. What's your response to that? It's nonsense. From looking at what Rangers have sold over the last three years to what they've sold in the last three days, three weeks, what's happened since this deal's been announced? Mike Ashley's he's made a few quid more than he's made in the last three years. So, all right, it's, he's not getting his seven years, he's not getting his pound of flesh with his naming rights and his free advertising and everything that he has that likes in Newcastle, but he's in a position now where he can actually make a few pounds off Rangers, which, as much as he's certainly never going to be flavour of the month, he's a businessman, he's going to want to make some money, and he's now done what he should have done several years ago to try and make some money for himself and for the club. There was absolutely no way that any company that had what was the most of, most public of boycotts of their stock was going to have a warehouse in Shirebrook or anywhere else with tens of thousands of jerseys sat just waiting on the off chance that something might happen. This deal, this disagreement between Rangers and Sports Direct may have went on a year, two years, three years, and we have it on for the entire seven year notice period that we heard so much about. But now we're in a position where fans can buy jerseys, Rangers can make a few pounds, Sports Direct can make a few pounds, and everybody's a little bit happier than they were. And in terms of what it means for the club going forward, obviously there's going to be a, a, an option to renegotiate either with Sports Direct at the end of this year or go into negotiation with another company, which frees up a large proportion of money. Do you think that would be money that can go in towards a transfer kitty for Pedro Cascina? Definitely. Uh, listen to what Dave King said. He spoke previously about season ticket money. It was all going to go into investment in the squad. It certainly looks as though that the money... That, I don't see it being all the money made from the retail deal. There's, there's still losses being made from an overall business point of view, so that gap is going to have to be plugged. But 
I do see any surplus over and above that will go towards helping Cushenia build a squad capable of winning the title. So James, finally what we're going to talk about is an article that you had on Record Sport earlier on this week, which was very, very popular, um, which you stated that you expected Rangers to win the league this year. I think you took a a fair bit of uh, stick from uh, Celtic fans out there, uh, as well as um, a lot of positive comments from Rangers fans. Now your point in that was that you expected them to win the league because that's the way uh, fans go into every season and if you didn't have that hope do you actually believe though that Rangers against an unbeaten Celtic side can take this league down yes I do Um, looking at Brendan Rodgers history looking at to quote Pedro Cachina the the cycles this is a new cycle for Rangers looking at quality of player that's came in compared to the quality of player that's went out so yeah Rangers lost Clint Hill who was a big player last season but they've also lost Philippe Senderos who played I think one more game than I played for Rangers last season maybe two the guys that have gone out have been replaced generally speaking with a higher quality of player it may not happen but as a fan of a team that in my lifetime at least I have seen Rangers win titles more often than I've seen them not win titles. Um, if you ask my new fans, I'd imagine that they would believe that going into any season, they expect to be, if not title winners, to be thereabouts. Chelsea fans will be expecting the very same. Man City fans, Barcelona fans, Real Madrid fans, any team that has a history of consistently winning titles, the fans expect to continue that. And with all respect to fans of St. Johnson, to Hibs. Is that a jibe? No, not in the slightest, not in the slightest, Johnny. You're, we, all, we all know your, where your allegiances lie. I'll leave that to people's interpretation. Um, but teams in Scotland, Aberdeen, I had a comment on Twitter a few weeks ago, maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, saying that Aberdeen are now the second force in Scottish football. By my account, Aberdeen have won one or two trophies in a decade. Rangers on a good year will win that in a year so I may be spoiled I grew up through nine in a row I think I was maybe 12 before I was consciously aware of seeing Rangers not win a title so what would constitute do you think the minimum level of success this season for Pedro Cushina having the title race at least go to a position where it's not effectively over by Christmas um, so if we're, I, going in, if we're going into March where Rangers still have an opportunity to win the league and are ahead of Aberdeen in, in second place that would sort of be where you would see the minimum level absolutely um, ideal world cup runs cup finals that's why people support football teams you, you don't get you don't support a football team to go well we finished seventh that's you want to see your team win. And when you see your team win repeatedly, and over years, over time, continually, you, you get greedy. You, expe- you expect it, and as I said, it may, it may be hubristic of me, but why not? Why can't they win it? Celtic aren't going to be invincible this year. Um, 
I had a little look at the teams that had done it previously across history, and I don't think anybody has done it two consecutive seasons. So we've seen Pedro Cascina bring in eight players so far, and the talk is that there's more to come. But of the players that have signed so far, who's the standout for you? Who's the one that's going to be the key player? Without having seen really anything of Herrera, Pena, it would be unfair to say that they're not going to reach the levels that certain others might, certain others will. From what I've seen so far, Ryan Jack's head and shoulders above the rest of them. But from what I've read, from what I've heard, that style of football that Rangers played against Progress, I think it will suit Herrera. Morelos has come with a, a good goal-scoring record. Okay, Finland's not the greatest league in the world, but neither's the SPFL. If he can hit the ground running, the guy might score 20-25 goals in a season. So, on paper at least, Kishinius appears to have shot fairly well. Um, he's not brought in guys that have been at Doncaster Rovers, been at Southend United... These are guys that typically have been at high-level clubs. The Mexican guys have come from Chivas Guadalajara. I don't imagine many people that will listen to this will follow much Mexican football. But they're a big name in their own domestic sphere. So, I think Ryan Jack is going to be absolutely key for Rangers because of the signings, he's the one that's come from a high-performing Aberdeen team, certainly last year. Yep. He's a good age at 25. I think he's very neat and tidy. And you know what? I think this is a key thing about Ryan Jack. Aberdeen never really played to his strengths. He's a ball player. He's a player who likes to sit and dominate the midfield from the base of the midfield. And that's not really the way Aberdeen play. They're more direct. So I think Ryan Jack, for me, given his experience in the league, is going to be very, very important to Rangers in terms of not only his abilities, but bringing other players, uh, the best out of other players, because he knows the league so well. Certainly, I mean, at Aberdeen, uh, I'll hold my hands up, I didn't watch huge amounts of Aberdeen, but what I did see of Ryan Jack, he was played as a spoiler. He he would break up attacks, he would be the guy that would do the donkey work. I think in this Rangers team, the way they're looking at lining up with having two midfielders sitting deep, he's going to have that little bit more freedom to play balls, to get forward and to affect the attack. So I really think that Jack's the type of player that's going to be a big, big plus for Rangers this season. Okay, James, that's about all from us here at the Record Rangers podcast. Thanks for joining me. All that's left to say is please subscribe to us on any good podcasting network so that you get the up-to-the-minute releases of the podcasts. Thanks for listening.